you don't have to fit a certain stereotype. You can be, you know, creative, you can love art, you can be whoever you want and you can still be a great scientist. I'm Heather Bushman for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Except on today's episode, I'm talking to someone who's not only a scientist, but also an artist. That's Bieta Mirjois, a postdoctoral researcher in cell biology, who is also a science illustrator and fashionista. I'm really glad I get the chance to meet Beata. Just to set the stage for you, when she came into our studio, she had bright turquoise hair and leggings, shoes, and a backpack just covered in colorful cell microscopy images. And she was just bubbling with an infectious enthusiasm. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. All right, so can you just do a little test test? Hello. Should I say something? <laughs> okay, so get closer to the mic. Closer? Okay. Yeah, closer. Hello? Yeah, that's good. That's great. great. Okay. Why don't you start by just um, telling me your name and what you do? I'm Beata Mirschwa. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the Ludwig Institute for Cancer Research and the UCSD. And I work on cell division and cancer research. And alongside my academic career path, I also create science art and fashion to communicate science in a creative way and to get people excited about the beauty of biology. Great. So I actually kind of want to just go back a little bit to kind of talk about how you got here. So where did you grow up? I was born in Poland, a tiny village, so there were really no scientists around. <laughs> but I was always really curious about, you know, everything about life. And I always hear anecdotes from my parents saying that I was asking such an overwhelming amount of questions <laughs> about everything in the world. So um, I think that's how I got interested in science. And I moved to Austria with my parents later on. Um, and that's when I started studying molecular biology. Yeah, so how did you stumble upon molecular biology? Did you have somebody who inspired you in that area or a role model? I think my first role model was probably my father. He's an engineer and he had this little workshop and he always used to make small devices. So he was making these small circuit boards and small inventions and creations. And I remember he always made little toys for me that I later realized they were designed to teach me the principles of science and engineering and things like that. that so, so it was cool. a really nice experience to have these unique toys. <laughs> and it sounds like designing toys also has an art element to it too. So as you're moving to Austria and discovering science, um, were you always artistic as well? So I always was interested in creativity and art. And I think that comes from my mother. She is a painter and she is a makeup artist at the opera in Vienna. Wow. So she was always the creative person. So my parents actually were completely different from each other. But I think I have a little bit from both of them, the science from my father and the creativity from, from my mother. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, so now tell me a little bit about what you do in the lab currently in studying cell and molecular biology. In the lab, I'm trying to understand how different types of cells in our bodies divide. And this is important for cancer research. In our bodies, we have a lot of different types of cells. They have different functions, they have different shapes and origins. And so if you imagine, for example, immune cells, they you know, circulate in our bloodstream, they're always round and they divide in suspension. And on the other hand, if you think of skin cells or other cells in tissues, they are in a very crowded environment. So if they want to divide, they have to really round up and make room for the cell division machinery. Probably all these cells in these different environments require different mechanisms that help them to divide. And I'm trying to discover genes that are important for cell-type-specific divisions. 
Yeah. And then obviously in cancer, when that division gets out of control, so it's sort of like you need to know how it happens just normally in order to know how it goes wrong in cancer, right? Exactly. So most of the drugs that are meant for cancer therapy, they target universal mechanisms that, you know, kill all the cells that divide. But we have a lot of cells that divide rapidly in our bodies in a healthy way, like, for example, the immune cells. So if you treat cancer, for example, breast cancer or skin cancer, then you're also harming your immune system. So if we could make drugs that target your only specific types of cells, for example, the ones that are affected by cancer, without harming the healthy ones, then we can make the therapy more effective and less harmful and hopefully have a positive impact in the world. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> now tell me about your art. What kind of art do you make? I make both art and fashion. So I create drawings to illustrate scientific concepts in an unconventional way. And I make science fashion where I print microscopy images on clothes, walk around the street, and it's nice to see that people comment on my clothes, and then I can tell them, oh, this is actually science. So yeah. what kind of questions do you get when, like you said, when if someone stops you on the street, you know, what, what are they asking you and what seems to interest them? Generally, the first thing they ask is, oh, what is it? They don't even know that it's microscopy. So they love, you know, the patterns and the colors and... Then it's a great opportunity for me to tell them, actually, this is relevant to us and it's, you know, important for every one of us. And then I just tell them what it is. And they love hearing about segregating DNA into two cells. And it's a really easy concept to imagine. So it's a really great way to get them, you know, curious and excited and spark wonder and curiosity about science. It's really fascinating. That's really cool. So it really gives you a chance to do sort of a personal one-on-one outreach and get people interested and excited about science. Exactly. And I I have realized that presenting science in a different way, in a more visual way, engages different types of people. People who are, you know, intimidated by graphs or science in general, they get excited when it's presented in a different way. And this is how we can get different types of people into science and they can contribute with the creativity to future discoveries. Yeah. So digging a little more into the process, how do you, how do you get a microscopy image? So what cells look like under a microscope? onto your lovely pants that you're wearing right now. So the first step, of course, is doing the microscopy. And I think that idea comes, you know, from spending so many hours in a dark microscope room and looking at these beautiful, gorgeous, colorful patterns. And while my paper was under revision, I actually just booked the microscope, not for an experiment, but just to capture the visual beauty. So I sat there and captured all these beautiful images and then... I have them printed on fabric, sometimes on fabric itself, sometimes on clothes, and then create these designs. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so so what, what kind of cells are on your pants right now? It's actually a fusion of microscopy and drawings. So on this side, you can see a human cell progressing through division. It assembles the mitotic spindle, and then the spindle pulls the chromosomes apart so that they can end up in separate cells. And on the other side is an overlay to kind of show the structures that are not visible through light microscopy. So everything we know from, you know, biochemistry or electron microscopy. And what's on your backpack? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> on my backpack are human cells. These are HeLa cells. They are cancer cells that are very easy to culture in the lab and great to do research and cell division. And the blue circles are the nuclei. This is where the DNA is. And then the structures around it are microtubules, and they enable a lot of different functions in the cells. So they always make these beautiful structures, and I love imaging them. (laughs) What's your favorite piece that you've ever done? That's a really difficult question. (laughs) So all of my pieces are very different from each other. And for me, it's not always the, the end result that counts, but also the process of how I got there. So I love to try experimenting with different styles when I make a drawing. 
Sometimes I fuse it with real data from science. Sometimes I, you know, I use a play on words or I find some sort of fun analogy for a complex molecular mechanism. So it's really hard to compare them. But I think the one drawing that holds a really special place in my heart is the first one I made. Yeah. <laughs> the first one was about my PhD research where I was looking at the final step of cell division. So just before the cells disconnect from each other, how does this process work? So I drew cells that were literally holding scissors and they are about to split the connection between them. All right. So it kind of explains the concept. Yeah. So I started using this for my title slides in my scientific presentations. I never really had big plans for it. It was really amazing. I realized that people could remember my research for many years after my presentations, you know, at conferences and from my institute. And I think that's because they remember the drawing and through it, they remember the science. Yeah. So that's a, I realized it's a really great way to communicate <laughs> science. So one particularly exciting drawing was the space mission patch for a mission to send worms into space. Oh, that's so neat. So it was called the molecular muscle experiment. And it meant to investigate what happens to the muscles when there's zero gravity is similar to what happens to humans. So I made this drawing just a worm wearing a spacesuit. <laughs> and it was Love kind it. of working out, holding a dumbbell to, <laughs> <laughs> to emphasize the muscle aspect. And it was great to see them use this mission patch for outreach efforts. And it got a lot of students excited about science. And afterwards, I got a really unique souvenir. So they sent these worms to the International Space Station. And when it came back, they, they gave me one of the experiment bags. So it made the trip to space and back to cool. Earth. And it was just the most unique experience. So it's always good to be open for different projects. And you never know what would come out of it. And I still can't believe that my hobby allows me to do all these things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so now moving to this new thing that you're involved in, AAAS. Um, oh, gosh. It's the Asso American Association for the Advancement of Sciences. They, so they started a new program this year, right? So called If Then Ambassadors. So tell me a bit about what that is. The If Then Ambassador program is an initiative to get girls excited and inspired to pursue careers in STEM disciplines. For example, what is it? Science, technology, engineering and maths, and even things beyond that. And so it's an initiative started by the Leider Hill Philanthropies, and it's in collaboration with the AAAS. Mm -hmm. And they address kind of the need of more women in science. And they selected 125 female scientists who are ambassadors, and they are supposed to be role models to highlight that there can be women in different disciplines in STEM and make it, you know, a thing that is, you know, in the media and that people are exposed to. So I got the idea to apply for this from Anna Scope, She's a professor at the University of Wisconsin, and she's also an amazing science artist. And I actually know her originally only from the science, because we work in very similar fields. And only later I discovered her artistic side as well. And there was just a meeting, an assembly of these new ambassadors that you just returned from. So what went on there and what did you take away from it? So that meeting was unlike any other meeting I've attended before. <laughs> it was really amazing to meet all the other ambassadors. And they were all incredible in their own way. It's um, actually a huge inspiration for me. There was a lot of diversity in different career stages. There were people who were doing the PhDs, postdocs, and people in advanced career stages like professors or other professions. And a lot of different fields as well. And I think that these people are really exceptional and I think they'll be great role models for girls. And I think we will also be role models for each other. I think everybody's yeah. truly incredible. And I, it was a really great learning experience. So each of us got really intense training in, you know, how to communicate science, how to speak to media and other outlets and online and with girls. And they also had a surprise for us. 
they made a 3D scan of each of us and it will be printed as a life-size statue. And they oh want to gosh. exhibit all of those statues in one place and it will be the most women statues in one place ever exhibited oh before. Gosh, that's so cool. Do they know where they're going to put it yet? I don't think so. I, it might even be something that moves around. I don't know, oh, yeah. but it will be definitely a <laughs> pretty, pretty important, you know, statement to That's show, so cool. to highlight women in science. It's both science and art, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it was also great to talk to all the other ambassadors about potential collaborations. Everybody has their own expertise. And I think putting all this together, I think we can expect really great projects in the future yeah. that will emerge from that. Yeah, so are there um, specific things you need to do now over the next year to, um, you know, to be that role model, to reach middle school age girls? I think there's a lot of things that we can do and will do. One really important step will be to start collaboration, to start thinking about what we can do on a personal level to contribute to this whole big idea. So I've been thinking about different things, but the goal would be to, you know, maybe create a science festival or a fashion show, a fashion competition, maybe even team up with a Comic-Con and, you know, get oh, science yeah. into popular culture. And yeah, so the goal is basically for me to find something where we can celebrate the beauty of science and, you know, spark curiosity in the people to show that science doesn't have to be scary. And I think there should never be a reason for a girl to believe that she's not meant for science. You don't have to fit a certain stereotype. You can be, you know, creative you can love art you can be whoever you want and you can still be a great scientist yeah, that's fantastic you're right you don't need to be just one thing always right exactly scientists and are people too <laughs> scientists are people too and it took me so many years to realize this and I wish somebody would have told me this before yeah. so that's what my mission is to try to you know spread this idea oh that's fantastic very cool so anything else you want to add I mean do you do I mean with between science and art and being an ambassador, is there anything else you do? Do you have other hobbies or? I think that's that's already a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. I have a lot of different interests. I even as a child, I wanted to do everything. I was interested in, let's say, almost everything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you know, I love going on adventures in nature. I, I love to you know go for a run on the beach or surf and go on a night hike. And I love video games and I love music. And <laughs> it's just hard to find enough time in the day to do yes. all these things. Yeah, But I think my passion to use my creativity in science is already an amazing way to you know, express myself. So I'm happy to dedicate a lot of time into that. And so you're a postdoc now. What are your career plans next? <laughs> that is um, a very good question. <laughs> I know. It's a tough one. It's a very tough one, I guess, for everybody. I think for me, I still have time to decide. I mean, to be honest, I would love to do everything. I would love to you know, be in academia. I would love to continue my creativity, continue my outreach efforts. If there's any way for me to do this, it would be amazing for me. Um, I think for me, the most important thing right now is to be open. I've realized from all my art projects that being open is the best way to create completely unexpected opportunities. So <laughs> I think I will continue doing what I do and see where it leads me. Absolutely. So I guess just to conclude, um, can you let people know where they could find your artwork? Of course, yeah. People can find my artwork online. I have a website. It's beatascienceart.com. And I'm also on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And I try to share, you know, my newest artworks, my newest fashion designs, and just keep people updated about my outreach efforts as well. And yeah, I would be happy to be in touch with everybody. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us on N equals one. You can find more episodes at health.ucsd.edu slash podcast or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. <laughs>